0: Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kavakian can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message.
1: Amen. Well, this is part two of a series um, called Atomic Power. And why, why Atomic um, I'm just going to explain that to you because I think it's important. Um, I did it this morning and I want to do it again tonight. We won't do it every time, but I'll explain why. Do you know, after the Pearl Harbor bombing, uh, America was forced into the Second World War. They really did not want to have another war on their hands. Um, but obviously now they're, they're forced into it. And so they find themselves at war um, with with Japan at this point in time. And any of you who know any of that type of history, if you're interested in that history, you'll know that it was a very long, drawn out, very bloody battle. Lots of lives lost on the American side and on the Japanese side. It was hand-to-hand combat, a combat in the jungle and many lives lost. Well, America eventually says, no, we're not doing that anymore. And they put their scientists to work. And what they do is they basically... Discover, they discover that they've got a that they can put together a weapon that will uh, cause some mass distract, destruction, and it certainly did. And on August the sixth, nineteen forty-five, uh, an American B twenty-nine bomber drops an uh, atom bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and as we know, terrible, devastating impact. The explosion was so large. Um, that, you know, it really it annihilated people. But what it also did is it completely stopped the war. It completely stopped the war. Now, that's a very negative illustration, to be honest, but I believe that that illustration applies to the spiritual. And I believe that there are many people, even in this room, and you feel like you're in a jungle right now, and you've been fighting battles hand to hand. What do I mean by that? You feel like you've been fighting some battles in your relationships and different areas of your life, and it just you just don't seem to be able to win the war. I want to tell you, Jesus has given us some spiritual atomic bombs that we can drop into different situations of our life to bring an end to that war, to bring an end to it, because that's God's desire for us. He doesn't want to see us in that jungle forever. Yes, there is a time. And and so this morning I was talking about the spiritual atomic bomb of the power of the name of Jesus, the power of His name. And the Bible tells us that miracles, signs and wonders were performed when people called upon the name of Jesus. But not just called upon the name, had faith in the name. Miracles can happen when we have faith in the name of Jesus. And our church received it and I need you to receive it. And if you didn't hear that message, please go on podcast this week and receive it. Because I believe God's got something to say to all of us. The, The name of Jesus is so powerful. Um, I I just wanna add to that message just by giving you one more illustration. There was a lady, some of you have seen this recently. Um, You can look it up on YouTube. It's it's amazing where a woman um, is working in the store that she owns and she's serving another woman. Um, It's like a bracelet store. And as they're talking, this woman sees an ominous figure walk in, dark clothing, balaclava, holding a gun. And he walks up and he basically says, this is a holdup. You know he's pointing a real gun at this woman well what he didn't know was this woman was a Bible believing Jesus tongue speaking jesus loving Christian and so as what most of us me included would have probably said, okay well here's the money no she didn't do that she said in the name of Jesus get out of my get out of my shop in the and she begins to rebuke him in the name of Jesus the guy didn't know what to do and he literally just if you look at the YouTube he just he just walks out of the store by Listen, I, I think that's a great picture. When the enemy comes into your life and you feel like he's armed and dangerous and you feel like there are some things going on where you should be petrified, we need to speak the name of Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause for the power of His name. True story. Look it up. It was actually a whole, they created a whole um, mini documentary about it, to be honest, about the woman herself. She said, you know, my parents taught me about the power of the name of Jesus when I was a young girl and it just came out of me. Isn't that great? Parents, come on, let's teach our children about the power of the name of Jesus. And so we talked about that this morning and today I wanna to talk about the atomic power of the blood of Jesus. The atomic power about the blood. Now maybe maybe you've been coming to church for a little while now, you probably, you may not have even heard, heard a message off this platform about specifically about the blood of Jesus. Well, you know what, it's time. It's time that because it is one of the most atomic atomically powerful, if that's a word, weapons that we can use against the enemy. And so I want to talk about the blood of Jesus for a moment. You know, there are certain words, let's be honest, there are certain words that when we hear that word, make us a little bit squeamish. Would that be true? There are certain words out there. Uh, One of those words would be vomit. Yeah, you know when you're eating and someone tells you, I was vomiting today. It, it, who, who's one of those people, can, can you please not say that right now? Who's one of those, yeah? Can you please not talk about that right now? Who's, who's actually afraid of vomit? Anyone afraid of, yeah, this, yeah there's, a, people have got, there's a fear about, yeah? No. Here's, a, here's another word that makes you squeamish. What about the word circumcision? Okay, I just noticed all the men right now. Look at them, there they were squeamish. Um, you know what, how about this word? Actually, I'm going to really go there. I need to be really honest. What about diarrhoea? Ladies, can I help you? Can I really, really? Okay. Please don't ever use that word, ladies. Never use that word because there's only one image that comes to mind when you say, oh, "I was really sick the yeah, other I had diarrhea. What, what, what am I supposed to? What am I supposed to see right now as you tell me that? Right? Like, please. Delete it from your vocabulary. Just say you were ill, we get it. We know how it works. Don't use that word. Here's another word that makes you scream. What about Collingwood? Get it there. Okay, that's, ugh. Some of you, look, some of you almost vomited. Oh, we can't use that word either, sorry. And I think another one of those words would be blood. You know, and you know, some people faint at the sight of blood. It's a real thing they actually, when they see blood, they, they faint. That's why a lot of guys aren't allowed into the, um, the, the, the labour ward, um, amongst other things. But one of the things is that because it's actually dangerous for them because as they start to see the blood, they faint and it's not about you, buddy, it's about your wife right now. And all of a sudden it becomes all about this guy and trying to keep him alive and it's like, get out of the room. Just go sit over there for a minute. But, you know, blood, as we all know, is a wonderful, powerful substance and it nourishes our bodies and it keeps us alive, as we all know. Uh, and we and we value it, but there is something squeamish about blood. And what is it? We avoid the sight of it. We're afraid to come in contact with it um, because we somehow feel like it, it sort of stains us and it makes us unclean. In football these days, if someone's got blood, they've got to quickly run off. Um, it's it's one of those things that we we really don't like talking about blood. Um, and so it's no wonder that when it comes to even preachings and, and, and songs that we sing, sometimes we're sort of a little bit ashamed to almost talk about the blood of Jesus or, or to sing about the blood because it's like, oh man, it's a bit squeamish. But you know what? There are some Bible versions now that are coming out and where it used to say the blood of Jesus, now it just says the death of Jesus. And I think that's quite sad because it's there for a reason. And, and, and so just be, be mindful of that. But you know, we need to understand, we need to understand what the blood of Jesus can do for us today, okay? Because he came, he was born of a virgin, he lived a a sinless life, and then the Bible says that he died to shed his blood. That's specifically why he came, to shed his blood. And so we need to know what he has come to do. So I wanna unpack this for you for a moment. There is a picture in the Old Testament that you just can't get around if you're gonna talk about the blood of Jesus and its application into our lives today. And obviously it's the it comes out of the book of Exodus, where Moses is commanded by God to get his people God's people out of Egypt and into the promised land. and so Moses comes along and 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 as we all know, pastor Moses comes along and preaches his best message to Pharaoh, preaches his best, but does it does it set God's people free? No, absolutely not. and even though he He performed miracles, signs and wonders. Did that release God's people? No. He cast incredible vision about the future and the promised land. Did that set the people free? No. Moses talked things up. Did it set them free? No. Moses called the year momentum. Did it work? No. What finally did set the children of Israel free? Because you've got to look at that picture. Because that picture represents you and me. And if we're thinking that a great message is gonna set us free, we need to pay attention because it's not what set the children of Israel free. If, if we're just thinking that coming to church is gonna set us free, that ne- doesn't necessarily set us free. This is what set the children of Israel free. Many of us know the story. God said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you to perform one last plague. And this plague is going to be that I'm going to send, wait for it, an angel of destruction or in other versions, an angel of death is going to come throughout the land. And the firstborn of the richest man to the poorest man, even cattle, the firstborn is going to die at midnight. That's the last plague. And God is obviously trying to capture the attention of the people of Egypt and obviously of Pharaoh. And in Exodus 12, verses 12 to 13, we'll just read this. It says, on that same night, he says, I will pass through Egypt. He says, I'm gonna strike down every firstborn, a firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. He says, I am the Lord. Now watch this. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Watch this. When I see the blood... Not when I hear a message, not when how many followers you got on Instagram, not how often you go to church, not how well you can sing, not how well you dress, not how much you live for God. He says when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. What's God already showing us here? That we can be living in a world and somehow the blood of Jesus stops things happening to us that happen to other people who don't quite know about the blood of Jesus. And so what am I saying to you? It is an atomic power. God is saying to us, the blood of Jesus stops negative things coming our way. Does it stop everything? No, but what it it does do is it stops us from being destroyed. Bad things will always come, guys. We know that Jesus said, in this world, you shall have trouble. It's, It's coming, but it's not gonna take you out. But how do we survive it? Well, according to this, the blood of Jesus has a lot to do with it. Because he tells Moses, you just gotta do a a few certain things and I'm going to stop the destroyer from coming. What does he have to do? The Bible says that he's gotta take a lamb. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. These people had to take a lamb. Then they had to take that lamb, they had to sacrifice it. They had to take its blood, watch this, and they had to put the blood of that lamb in the Old Testament around the doorposts Of the home. And as they put the blood on the doorpost, the Bible tells us very clearly that as the angel of destruction is coming, it sees the blood and it passes over. That's where the Jewish people get the word Passover. That's where they celebrate that because they're celebrating the day that the spirit of destruction passed over their home. Listen, that's not just for Jewish people, that still applies for us today. When the angel of destruction is coming for your family, it's supposed to see the blood of Jesus all over your home. It's supposed to see it on your garage, on your house, on your children. And when the angel is coming along to wreak havoc in your home, he's supposed to see the blood and pass over you. Why would He do it for Old Testament people and not do it for New Testament people? Why would God treat them better than He would treat us? Well, He doesn't, except that some of us don't apply the blood around the doorpost of their home. Listen, it was for every father to take that blood, put it on hyssop, hyssop always represents faith. Hyssop was a plant. You're supposed to dip the hyssop, your faith, in the blood, then you take the blood and you apply it to your home. Now listen. It wasn't for the youth pastor to put it on your home. Yeah, because some parents are like, Yeah, as long as the youth does their job, my kids will be fine. No, no, that's not what made the angel of destruction pass over. Listen, it wasn't for the pastor to put the blood over the doorpost. Only you can put the, do- the blood on the doorposts. Every person has to take responsibility for their own life. And God is saying, listen, no one else can apply the blood to your life other than you by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus' blood, amen? That's how this plays out. Now, most of us would understand, most of us would understand about the shedding of blood for forgiveness. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You understand that? Without Jesus dying on the cross and appeasing the wrath of God for you and me, Without that, we can't be forgiven. That's why Jesus, who was perfect, had to die so that He could take our sin and we get to take His righteousness. That's called the shedding of blood. But what most of us are not familiar with is what we call the sprinkling of blood. What does that mean? The sprinkling of blood is, it's got nothing to do with forgiveness. So we know we're forgiven, but the sprinkling of blood is for protection. The sprinkling of blood is about keeping the enemy away. What am I saying? I'm saying to you that you can have the shedding of blood on your life, which means you're completely forgiven, but the enemy just seems to do whatever he wants in your life, why? Because we haven't applied the sprinkling of blood. What am I saying? I'm saying that when your children are walking past you, you're supposed to be praying the blood of Jesus on their life. You're supposed to be saying, enemy, I pray the blood of Jesus on my children's life so that when he wants to get them on drugs, he sees your kids and goes, I can't come anywhere near them. Friends, it's an atomic power and most of us don't use it. Most of us just go, well, if it's happening, case it must be God's will. No, no, no. We're supposed to be using the atomic power of God on our lives in Jesus' Name. Come on. Give the Lord a huge man of applause. I believe this. You know, the the, the, the hyssop was so important. Faith. What does that mean? Do you know, You've got to imagine what it would have been like for the father to be in that home and starting to hear the screaming of people whose firstborns were dying. And that father would have been sitting there with his children. And you know what? What, what would he have been doing at that time? What would he have been doing as he, as he was hoping that the angel of death was passing over? What do you think he was putting his faith in at that time? Do you think he was putting his faith in how good he was? Do you think he was putting his faith in how clean his house, he, how clean his house was? Do you think he was, he, was, he was thinking, oh, did I read the Torah today? Is, is that what you, no, no. All he was thinking about was, man, I hope that blood works. Oh, I hope that blood works. Oh, man, oh, that blood. That's where we need to be. We need to be people that are saying, oh man, I hope, I hope have, have I been the perfect father? Have I been the perfect mother? Have I done everything right? Who said it was ever about you doing everything right? It's always been about the blood of Jesus. We've got to put our faith in what He said He's trying to do in our lives. How's your faith in the blood of Jesus going? Some of us don't have any faith in the blood of Jesus. Well, what that tells me is the enemy can just walk straight into your home. Come on, we've got to, we've got to lift up our faith. That's what this whole series is about. Lifting up our faith in the name of Jesus and now we're also lifting up our faith in the blood of Jesus. Is anybody with me? Some of us would know, and I've preached this many times, but I'm gonna preach it again. Many of us would know that that Job, that man who was attacked uh, so severely and we know that it was a conversation between him and God and that's a whole other theological discussion there about how that all took place. But the Bible tells us that Job used to wake up every day. Listen to this, parents. Every day, and he would sacrifice for his children. He would take a lamb and apply the blood of the lamb to his children. And the Bible tells us he would do this because they may have sinned against God. What's he doing? He's taking responsibility over his family. He's applying the blood of a lamb to his family. Can we do that? Well, obviously we can, it was working. Now when 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 Satan came to, uh, to to God and he said let me attack Job let me attack him Well actually it worked the other way around God said to the devil have you noticed my servant Job how blameless he is and listen to what the devil said yeah of course he's blameless of course he's loving you listen to this actually I'm going to show you the scripture because this is so powerful Job 1:10 have a have, have a look at Have a look at what the devil responds. He says, yeah, I can understand why he he loves you because you have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property and you have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. Sometimes you can just read that and just gloss over it. Did you hear what the devil said to God? That's the devil speaking to God. Job had a hedge of protection around him, right? Now, I wonder how he got that hedge of protection. How did he get the protection? Come on, some of us should know. How did he get the protection? Through the sacrifice of lambs. So the devil being so smart, what's the next thing he does? He destroys all of his lambs. Because see, if he kills his lambs, then he's got nothing to sacrifice, which means the walls come down. If the devil can kill your lamb, then he's he's got your protection as well. But the good news for you and me is, is that he tried to kill our lamb and he did die. But after three days, he actually rises up from the grave again. And the devil's like, man, I thought I had your lamb, but I obviously haven't because he's risen from the dead. And guess what? His blood can never go away. But listen to what I'm saying. Even in the Old Testament, he had a hedge of protection. Either the Bible is true or it's not. I believe it is. Can your business have a hedge of protection around it? I wonder. Where when someone comes to your business with only one intention, and that is to do business with you, but with no intention of paying you so that you could eventually go broke. How do you stop your business from allowing people like that in? Apply the blood of the lamb to your business, to your home, to your car, to your children. Apply the blood. It's an atomic power. Come on, we're not called to be Christians that just believe in Jesus and get bashed out the whole way through life. And then we finally get to heaven one day. And then we go, thank you, Jesus, for an amazing life. Come on. We're supposed to get there and say, well, there were some struggles, but man, we overcame some great things through your power, Jesus. Thank you. Come on. This is our moment. You know, when Helen and I were in Israel just recently, we went to to the, uh, the Western Wall. They don't like it being called the Wailing Wall, apparently. But you know the wall I'm talking about, where rabbis go there and they, They pray to a wall and they pray to that wall because apparently that's where Solomon's temple, that's the last remaining wall of the second temple apparently. Well, it is. And so they're there and they're praying to a wall, which is really sad to be honest. They're praying to a wall. But you know, we we saw some rabbis there and it was really interesting what they were doing. They were handing out scarlet threads and they would offer to pray for you. They would offer to pray for you And then they would tie a scarlet thread around your hand. I thought, I wonder why they're handing out scarlet threads. And then I remembered, oh, I know why they're doing that. Does anyone else remember why they're doing that? There was a woman called Rahab. And Rahab lived in a city called Jericho. And Rahab helped two spies from the Israelites. She helped them. And because of that, Joshua went to her and he said, because you've helped us, we are not going to destroy you as we destroy this whole city. And he says to her, but you need need to do one thing. What do you think he asked her to do? He said, you need to put a scarlet rope out of your window. Why scarlet? Why that colour, you think? Why would they say scarlet? Does it it remind you of of something else that's the same sort of colour? Yeah. And so the Bible says that as she put the scarlet rope out of her window, the whole city was destroyed, but she was not. That's why those rabbis were handing out those scarlet threads. What they're saying to you is the blood. Now for them, it's the sacrificial lamb. For us, we know who we're talking about. That scarlet thread represents the blood of Jesus. And basically that whole story is saying everyone else can get destroyed. And it's not that God is happy about that. But what God doesn't wanna see happen is his own people be destroyed. And so here it is, guys. How much faith do you have in the blood of Jesus? Do you believe it can protect you? Oh, no, not really. Well, then it won't. I believe it can, then it will. Because it's always according to your faith. That's what Jesus said. May it be according to your faith. Poke the person beside you and say, may it be according to your faith. May it be according to your faith. May it be. Is anyone getting something out of this? Come on, for some of you, you're like, wow, I've never really, I've never heard this ever. Or, or, Or maybe you've heard it so many times, but the question is, are you applying it? Come on, we need to apply this. We've got to apply this the Bible tells us in genesis four10 about two brothers, and Cain gets a little bit jealous about his from uh, about his, his brother his brother's sacrifice was uh, uh, received by God and his sacrifice wasn't and so he went about and just killed his brother. you thought you had some family troubles going on, right but he goes and kills his brother and uh, And so the Lord says to him in verse 10, it says, but the Lord said, what have you done? What have you done, Cain? What have you done? He says, listen, watch this. He says, listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. What a weird statement, but that's God speaking. Do you know what God is telling us? Blood cries out. But in this case, in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that Abel's blood, Abel's blood was crying out, God, take vengeance for me. That's what Hebrews tells us. His blood was screaming out for vengeance. God showed judgment to Cain. But the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes along, he takes our sin. Have a look at what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24 says. It says, Hey, listen, church, you've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, watch this, which speaks. Forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. What am I saying to you today? The blood of Jesus that is sitting on the mercy seat of God in heaven right now is not screaming out judgment. It's not screaming out, what what have you done? It's screaming out, Father, forgive Lifehouse. Father, forgive them. Father, whatever they have done, forgive them. I have paid the price for them. God's blood is crying out. Can you believe that? And here we are all guilt-ridden and the blood of Jesus is crying out, you're forgiven. You're forgiven, receive it. And most of us are listening to the enemy rather than listening to what the blood is crying out. Listen, the Bible says God is for you. Therefore, who can be against you? The Bible also tells us that the devil is trying. The Bible says he's come to steal, kill and destroy. So here it is. We've got one person saying one thing, another person saying another. We get to have the deciding vote. Which side are you on? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to, if I'm for you? then nothing can be against you. Are you on that side? Or are you on the side of, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, people saw what you did the other day. Are, are, you, are you siding with the enemy's voice? Or are we siding with the blood that is crying out? You are forgiven. You are awesome. Come on, someone. Give the Lord a huge round. I love this. The blood is speaking out. Do you know, that's why we have communion. Why do we have communion? And some of you are like, oh, but we don't have communion that often in, in, in church. I know this this might sacrifice a really sacred cow for you, but when Jesus first had communion, it wasn't in church. I'm gonna say that again. When Jesus first had communion, it was not in church. It was in a small group with 12 people in an upper room. Do you remember that? Does anything else remind you of a small group with maybe 12 people? Anyone? Anyone? Help me out here. Yeah, yeah, if you want communion, go to your life group. Because in your life group, and if they're not doing it, tell them off by the way, because what they should be doing in every life group is actually holding the blood, which is we know is just juice or wine, but it represents His blood. Why are we doing that? Because we're reminding ourselves, my sins are forgiven, my children are protected, I am loved by God, God is on my side, I don't care what you say, yes, my hairstyle's not very good, but God still loves me and Jesus died on the cross and that's why I'm taking communion today. That's, what we, that's where we're supposed to be doing. When we do it at church, it's just like an optional extra, to be honest. It's wonderful to do it, but that's not where it should be happening. It's supposed to be in a place where like, hey guys, remember what this is all about. And then someone sparks up and says, but I find that hard to believe sometimes. And then there's a conversation. That's how it happens. So come on, life group leaders, please make sure you're having communion, first of all. And if, if you're not in a life group, come on, get into one. That's where you get the richness out of this church, by the way. This, this is sort of like an event. And I don't know about you, but events come and go. But friendships, they last forever. Amen. If you're not in a life group, I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally almost beg you. No, I am gonna beg you. I beg you, get into one. Because you're gonna find friendship. You're gonna find love. You're gonna find people who care for you. But you're also gonna find some communion and remember what this whole thing is all about. Come on, give someone a high five if you agree. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. These are the sort of scriptures that we're gonna read about when we're having communion. It says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom, how? With the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. Jesus said, I need you to drink in my blood. You know, in the Gospels, Jesus actually said to His disciples, if you don't drink my blood and eat of my flesh, He says, you've got nothing to do with me. And all his disciples were like, oh, oh told you it was going to go bad. Told you at some stage, this whole thing's going to go south. But what they didn't realise was Jesus was referring to the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, it says, "It says don't drink blood. Because if you drink blood of an animal, it says you're drinking in its life. So so Jesus knew that they knew that. So when Jesus said to them, you need to drink my blood. They're like, no, you can't do that. Because that means we're drinking in your oh, I get you. I see what you're doing, Jesus. I see what you're doing. When we're having communion, we're drinking in His life. When when, when you're holding that symbolic blood, you're saying, Jesus, everything you were, gracious, kind, powerful, compassionate, non-condemning, that's what you're drinking into your life. Can you see how powerful the blood of Jesus is? May we never be a church that shies away from the blood of Jesus. Do you know, we're doing okay as the church worldwide these days. I, I, think we, I think we're moving forward. But there have been times of revival that were unprecedented, that people were getting saved all over the earth and people were strong for God. And, and I believe we've still got that happening, but there were some strong seasons. But do you know what? when those strong seasons were happening? Do you know those people were singing songs like, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes away my sin. Or they used to sing songs like, there is power, power, one, come on, come on, are you hearing me? Right, there is power. These are the songs that church members were singing. No wonder they went home and had a whole lot of power, power, wonder working power, because they were singing about it. And they weren't ashamed. And maybe some people didn't understand it, but then they explained it. Come on, let's get back to the blood. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, hey, I noticed that you got a new car lately. Yeah, I did. Have you prayed the blood of Jesus on it? What? What are you talking about? I don't want it red. No, I'm not talking about, you know, getting some animal's blood. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, are you praying God's protection on it? Because listen, the enemy wants you to go from car crash to car crash. Actually, he, he would love to take out your whole life. So when you, when you get a new car, why wouldn't you be laying your hands on it and say, Lord Jesus, I pray for angels and I pray your blood all over this car because you wanna keep me alive in Jesus' Name, Amen. If you're moving into a new house, Helen and I did this, we built our home and the day it was finished, we walked around it, every window, every door walking around, Father, in Jesus' Name, we pray the blood of Jesus on this doorway. Why? Because if a thief is coming to open up my door, this is what I want him to do, he's trying to open it, Trying to. all of a sudden he starts hearing machine guns, He starts hearing someone on the other side saying, I'm gonna kill you. You come into this house, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, why not? Why can't I pray that? He's the God of heaven and earth, isn't he? Yeah, so you know what? And some of you move into homes, you don't pray anything. You're like, oh, you know, it's a nice new home. And, And the enemy's like, yeah, it's a nice new home. But you're like, yeah, but it's a nice new home in Jesus' name. So come on, why are we praying these prayers? Maybe we are. Let me encourage you. This is what God has called us to. We're gonna pray it over our families, our lives, we're gonna pray it over our university. We're gonna pray it over our schools. You know, the last thing we need in this country is some lunatic, you know, killing children with a gun in a school. Come on, if you're a teacher, pray around your school. Lord, that can happen somewhere else in the world. I pray it doesn't, but it's not happening at Craigieburn. It's not happening in Meadow Heights. It's not happening in Sydenham. This, this school is protected by your blood. Please protect our children. Come on, won't we're we, 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 we gonna get to that place. I love this. Come on, Revelation chapter twelve, verse eleven. Then we're gonna, then we're gonna stand up and we're gonna sing, and and we're gonna pray the blood of Jesus on anything and, and everything. This is in the book of Revelation. I need you to really read this together because you're gonna see some things here that are really powerful. One, two, three, and they. Who's they? You reckon? You, and they have defeated him, who's him? Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. What does that mean? As you start telling people what the blood of the Lamb has done for you. When you start telling people what the blood of the Lamb has done for you, you start defeating the enemy. And he doesn't like that very much. What are we doing right now? I'm just giving you testimony about the blood of Jesus. That's all I'm doing. And the enemy's like, no, but I was planning to destroy their lives next week. Well, you can't now. Sorry about that. Can't have them in Jesus' Name. Amen. Come on. Can we read that? Can we read that? Come on. Just that top part at least. Here we go. And they have defeated Him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. One more time. And they have defeated Him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Come on, give Jesus a huge shout in this place. It's an atomic weapon. It's atomic. It's atomic. Why, why have we called this whole series Atomic. Because an atomic bomb is created when two unseen things collide together. Two unseen, two two atoms. That's why it's called an atom bomb, right? When two atoms are collide, things that, something you cannot see can, can, can absolutely annihilate something. You know what? Can you see the blood of Jesus? No, doesn't mean it's not powerful. Can you see the name of Jesus? No, doesn't mean it's not powerful. Actually, it can have atomic power. So come on, can you imagine when we get to the end of this series, because we are just giving you one ma- massive weapon after another. I'm telling you, man, the, you're gonna be strapped up, ready to go. You're gonna look like some Israeli soldier any minute now. Yalla! <laughs> it's true. <laughs> come on, man. I want, I don't, look, God, I'm just speaking heart to heart now. I'm not, I'm not trying to be polished, right? I want the enemy to fear this church. I don't want him to just walk around like he owns the place. Yeah, I might just give you a little bit of that and I might just hurt you that way and I might just see you destroyed. No, no, I want him to look. Man, that Lifehouse Church, man, those, those guys are powerful. Man, I try and get near them, they're talking to me in the name of Jesus. If I try and get near them, they're applying the blood and there's more to come. There's a few more to come, right? There's a few more to come. I want you guys to be powerful, powerful.
0: Hi, I'm Richard and pastor of Lifehouse Church just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.